0: Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. i'm adam hawkins your co-host and today i'm here with tamarcus again to interview our other and our true host elizabeth woodson elizabeth how are you doing i am fabulous tamarcus you okay i'm doing great all right i got a little bit of a little cold or something so if you guys hear some bass in my voice that might be what it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay Let's start the conversation today just by reintroducing Elizabeth. She is amazing. You guys know her well. She is one of the smartest people I know, uh, and she's written a book. And I just have to say, um, it's amazing. And I got to tell this to Elizabeth a second ago. I was just going to text you, but I thought it'd be more meaningful in person. Your book is really wonderful. Yeah. in. in what I thought I would be doing to just prepare and honor the time by reading it. It actually was so helpful to me, um, over this past week, just thinking about my own journey, about my own discontentments and discouragements and how often that leads to despair and that there is a way out. There is a way that God's trying to show us. And I just, yeah, honestly, uh, It helped me want to embrace my life, Mm -hmm. which incidentally is the title of the book. It is okay. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about the fact that you have a book that's coming out? That's incredible.
1: I think there's this mix of pure excitement and then like a little bit of sheer terror. That sure, I have a book that'll be in people's hands. (laughs) That's right. They'll read my stuff, and I tell a lot of my stories. In the book, and so you I use vulnerability to try to just create a connection with the reader, and you're just like there're going to be people whose names I don't know who know my stories right, so but it's most of it is I'm just really excited to be able to share with people what I believe God has given me over a long season right and so um I just want to help people to get unstuck, and so it's really fun to be able to finally be at this place where I have like the books in my hand and yes. 's been a long journey
0: well so. let me say it comes across because I maybe maybe it's because I know you but I actually think it's because of your vulnerability in telling the stories in the book that it felt like I was going along this journey with you mm-hmm. it didn't feel lonely you know mm-hmm. sometimes you read the book and it can feel a little cold or maybe yeah. like you know but as an author I guess I'm just saying you come across as somebody who cares for the people that you're writing to the audience and um, yeah I, I it it was a book that was encouraging, and it made me feel like I was part of a community because of your vulnerability. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, what made you want to do this?
1: You know, it probably was a mix of different things. The message is something that's been on my heart for a long time, um, but part of it comes out of just serving in ministry. And so, as you guys know, that there are people who come in your office, or you meet with them, and they have issues that are not going to be handled the next day. Mm -hmm. And so you have the option of giving people sugary, sweet answers to kind of pump them up or you can give them the truth. And truth that sustains them, truth that gives them hope. Um, I think about my own season of life. I I am a never married single in my late 30s. And so to be a single who is not (laughs) losing your mind in evangelical culture, (laughs) you got to deal with your singleness and really work through it to a place of, Lord, I I believe you're good, even though you have not answered a prayer that I've given to you for a long time in the affirmative yet. And so kind of this place of longing and and working that out with the Lord in other seasons, because the book is not a book about singleness. You know, I have had longing in just hard seasons of grief, of bad jobs, and just like just life being hard, period. And so I wanted to be able to help people um, who feel like they might be stuck or that they don't know what to do. Um, because like you said, Adam, there is a way out. And mm-hmm. so, for me, it is, how can I give people hope in what seems to be really hopeless situations? And how can I ground people in truth that's deep? Mm. Because when you have mm. things that you're holding on to for decades, you don't need a self-help. Get quick. You're going to get over it tomorrow message. You need something that has, that has been proven through time. And really, that's what we see in
2: Scripture. So, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I... Um... I was thinking I was gonna ask, but I, you kind of hit it in your question of like what, um, what I, did you have a particular audience in mind? Like I know, like you say, kind of as we got got to walk through your uh, journey, being uh, working with young adults. Like I, I particularly heard like, man, this sounds like um, she's writing back to like her former. Stuff. Like, man, if I knew what I knew now, like, what would I want to tell myself in that space? Do you feel like some of that was? Oh yeah, at play.
1: It definitely was you know, what would I have told Elizabeth 10 years ago? Mm. So Elizabeth wouldn't have dragged herself through the valley, mm. but I would have just patiently walked. You're still in the valley. But I think there were some things that if I had done this, it would not have been as hard or maybe as miserable for me because the tools are right there in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it also, it is, I, I want the person who has looked for answers everywhere and they are just fed up and believe God has just let them down. Mm. And the truth is he hasn't, but the truth we go to is scripture. Hmm.
0: And so how do we ground ourselves in that? Well, we're dancing around it, but before we get too far in, so we've talked about the journey of how you got there, what maybe your experience that's brought you there, who the audience is. Let's just, again, talk about the title really quick. It's called Embrace Your Life, How to Find Joy When the Life You Have is Not the Life You Hope For. And maybe, Elizabeth, if you could give us the, the, a key point or maybe the main premise of the book, that might be helpful.
1: Yeah, the main premise is that all of us live with longing. Mm -hmm. And so this gap between the life we have and the life we want, we have expectations about how our life should have turned out, how a particular situation should be going And those misplaced expectations just cause disappointment on the light end and just despair and hopelessness on a really heavy end. Mm. And so the question is, what do I do? Like, how do I deal with this stuff? Um, And what I want to do in the book is really walk people on a journey, a journey of spiritual disciplines that's grounded in the story of scripture, grounded in the story of Joshua to say that when you feel hopeless, there is hope, that I can't guarantee that your longing will be taken care of by the time you finish reading my book, What I can guarantee is that you have hope in the midst of it. And really longing is a part of our human condition. So how do Mm -hmm. we learn to live this journey of contentment that nobody likes that word, but it's true. And when we read Paul use that, this is what he's talking about. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, life is what I want it to be or it's not what I want to be at all. God has given me goodness. And how do I see it? And how do I live in that?
0: Hmm. What? Um, struck me so much about this is the way you define the problem and the answers you give. So uh, y- you have such a minister's heart in it because you're not offering platitudes. And the mm-hmm. definition of the problem, this this long-term disappointment with the way that things have panned out, uh, you talk about longing being the, the emotional gap. I love that you targeted yeah. on emotion, the emotional gap between how you thought your life was gonna go and um and the in the way it ended up and it's you, you know um there's so many different ways you could talk about those problems but the way you talk about it it's idolatry it's grumbling it's the things you see in the bible the way you talk about it just hits so close to home i, I don't know i mean i'm not i'm neither that young uh and i'm not um single so when you say it's not written for singles i mean this landed on me hard as a a married man who has a job and who's you know growing into the middle stages of life and it it's I think it's for a wider audience than that and um, so that's one is sort of defining this problem of longing, a long-term disappointment, a discontentment, and all of that leading to despair. yeah I think what you're really talking about, and you can correct me, but is is a despair and then the answer you give is these spiritual disciplines of self-examination, lament, hope, uh, remembrance, faithfulness, and joy. And then you help walk us through using the story of Joshua, I'm just repeating now. But to me, what I kept thinking of, the, the mental picture that you gave me in this was that uh, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, and yet you are with me, God, and you've taken me by the hand, and you're going to lead me through it. And what I can have, I'm thinking of the psalm that says, um, I think it's in Psalm 16 that says, um, "At your right hand God are pleasures forevermore. I'm thinking of uh, that there's joy in the midst of discontent and you even say that. And so I you know, I just am trying to say, I think you've found something really deep and I think you've given really deep answers. Um, tell us a little bit about that answer. How, how did you come to this? How, this self examination lament hope remembrance faithfulness and joy this journey how did you how did you find this where did you go i mean it's so cool i went to this magical little
1: space mm. where the answers are sure, right now sure right <laughs> um the story of joshua has always been just a, a place of inspiration for me partly because of this moment in time that he walks through And if you read the first um, two verses of the Joshua chapter one, Moses has died and Joshua is about to take the people over into the land of Canaan, which is a huge, huge deal. And it seems like God's a little bit insensitive to this experience. He's like, Moses died, get up. And you're like, I
0: mean, can we just like do something with this?
1: And so you flip back um, to Deuteronomy 34, because it really, I was like, what did he do? Like, is this all that we talk about how they handled Moses' death? And you see that the people of Israel lamented. And I love the, the story of Israel because they're ordinary people who are trying to walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you will turn pages in the Old Testament specifically, and you will turn over hundreds of years but it's like, what do people do in the moment? Mm. Like, what do you do when you don't want to put your feet on the floor? What do you do when you're anxious? What do you do when you're just really sad? And as I started to just learn more about their habits and disciplines and rhythms as a people and see what God is telling Joshua in this beginning chapter in of Joshua, the book of Joshua, I just saw like these patterns that really are throughout the entirety of scripture. Mm. And we just see them condensed into this one passage. And whether it's the people of Israel didn't avoid their pain. Mm. They cried out to the Lord. You think about David, he said a lot of stuff that seems a little crazy to us, but he was honest about it. You know, honest about, Lord, just show me who I am. And if there's anything that's not right, I need you to correct it. Like these these practices of self-examination or lament or remembering who God is and all the promises you read that God reaffirms, but he's not saying anything new.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: He's just saying things he said before. And so really... This Joshua passage to me highlighted what I saw throughout the entire Old Testament is that the people of Israel are people of rhythms and Mm. habits that Mm. God instituted so that they could live through the valley seasons, really all through life. Um, And so it was that that brought to mind for me, okay, this is what I can hang my hat on. Because I'm a person like, okay, that information's like, that's cool. I love the theology. I love the deepness. But what am I going to do? when I literally don't want to get out the bed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was the answer I was trying to give people with, this is the truth, but this is how you're going to be able to use it.
2: I, I love that. I mean, to that last point, I think a lot of what you said speaks to the person who finds himself in that place. Um, two, two of the points along the journey that um, you you mentioned, right? Lament and hope, which sounds like they're like two very like distinct ends of the spectrum. And you say... <laughs> Um, that they're actually inextricably woven together. I thought that was uh, brilliant. Yeah. What what in particular about those two things um, and the fact that, right, that God gives us the space uh, to be in lament and that doesn't mean that we're lacking, um, necessarily lacking in hope, but that births hope. Like how do you see, why do you see those tying together being so important?
1: Um, you know, for me, lament is you're crying out to God and in all practical practicality, that's the word it is today. Um, that you cry out because you believe you can do something. Mm. Mm. And so even in our just anguish and grief, for me to turn to God and say, Lord, I'm mad. (laughs) Lord, you left me. Lord, this isn't what I signed up for and I need you to help me. I'm only gonna do that if I actually believe he can do something. Mm. And to me, it's like these little seeds of hope that that are intertwined with lament. And when I think about just lament, period, I think about my own you know, history of my family and just African Americans in this country and like the habits of people mm. who are going through things that are really hard. Yeah, And just this continual repetition of the different stories of people that I would read that they would lament, like they would grieve before the Lord and they wouldn't walk away still in despair. Like there was something that happened in that place that God did with his people when they were just honest with him. Um, and to me, All of that, like they're just these little seeds. It doesn't feel hopeful, but again, hope if
0: hope wasn't there, you wouldn't do it to begin with. Yeah, Mm. I love that point. It feels like the shape of the Psalms, like you were talking about. Like David's like, God, where are you? You've left me. Please don't forsake me. God, you never forsake me. It's like somehow his lamenting brings him to a place of remembrance of God's faithfulness and hope. I, you did something in there that really felt like it read my mail, uh, to use a, and a dad uh, idiom or whatever. Anyways, um, you talked about avoidance, and you just mentioned it a minute ago. And I think you put your finger on the cultural moment here that there are so many, what we tend to do with our pain, whatever it might be, or suffering, is avoid it. And it's so easy to do because we have a screen right in front of us. And you talk about almost as like symptoms if you're over-consuming Anything, but you also did this really great thing. Other ways of avoiding that I think are um, we don't think of it quite the same way. But you talk about: Do you have a tendency to chase comfort? Do you have a tendency to be a controlling mm-hmm. person? Do you have a t- and you kind of walk through these mm-hmm. typical patterns in which we try to avoid? And I was like, man, these hurt. These these felt like good jabs, you know, to the soul. Um, and I found myself really control and comfort were two for me that I was like, oh man, but. In my own walk with anxiety, you know, this what the science is now backing up is exactly what you're saying in here that is this biblical truth that actually by avoiding we actually increase the pain over time? Um, because one, you're not dealing with it. It feel there's a small layer of escape for a minute, but what that actually teaches you to do, it reinforces the need to escape, the need to escape, and you just go further down that rabbit trail. And so, uh, but you you do make you do make one distinction. So what you do, you give us practices that help us deal with the pain and then move towards a space of joy in the midst of it. But you do make a distinction, and I wanted to hear you talk a little bit about it, but you talk about the distinction between avoidance and gospel forgetfulness. Could you say a little something about that?
1: In the gospel, that we believe is that it's the good news that the King has come. Mm. And what he does is he restores the fullness of life we were intended to have with God in the very beginning that sin has destroyed and taken from us. And in some sense, sin... You know, it puts us in a world where things are broken, and the brokenness is what our longing, mm. like our 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 desire to be dissatisfied with the life God has given us, and sometimes the dissatisfaction is because things are just really suffering's real. Yeah, all of that, in for me, are the 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 residue of sin in our world. Mm-hmm. And so the gospel says, through Christ, I have all I need. Mm-hmm. That He's my first place to go when I am in need of comfort. When I and feeling vulnerable, when I am feeling lost, like when I want to just take control because I think everything is out of control, that he's the place that I go. Mm. And so really, when we're turning to all these coping mechanisms, what we're really saying is, Lord, you're not enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fix it on my own. And that's why they always fail, because Jesus came that he might be the restore. Yeah. And so when we try to restore things on our own, it's insufficient and it's going to fall apart and right. we have to keep going back. So to me, it's like, we've forgotten the richness of, and this is what I've really signed up for, hmm. is that the Lord has said, I will help you live life. Oh. You cannot live it without me, but yet we turn to other things and he's like, I just need you to come home.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And so that's how, in a sense, avoidance is a forgetting of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? This is awesome. Yeah. That, I, that really stuck with me. That was mm-hmm. such a, a great point. Mm-hmm. What, um, sorry, to Marcus, I'm hogging them. Yeah, what, are there any of these, I wondered for you as I thought about it, were there any of these practices that come, I thought just like anything you do working at everybody's different, right? Some people, certain practices will come easier and certain practices will be a little more difficult. What for you were easier ones, maybe just to help drive the point home? And then how did you, for the practices that were a little more difficult, how did you get there? How'd you get yourself there?
1: yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, lament probably came a little easier because Mm. it was just something I was used to, Okay, like a category, right? Okay. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Where can I go? What have people before me done? It doesn't mean that it always, like, it's always like, oh, lament. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, this is where I can go. Um, to me, I think I struggle with, with my self-talk, right? And Mm. so what I tell myself about a particular situation and the need to reframe it. Yeah. And so I think about- what is true about God, but what I will say about him. Mm. And so it's like, God, you forgot me. You're not good. You don't come through on your promises. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it's like, listen, Mm. (laughs) he's sovereign. Yeah. Which means he's in full control. That there are these, these, these truths that we hold to that are always true. So if God is faithful... To bring Jesus, He's going to be faithful in my situation. Yeah, and so to me, it's a practice of when I when I find myself having um, an inner dialogue that is that is basically that lies yeah. that I have to reframe it and I have to catch myself, right? Because I think sometimes we enjoy kind of sitting in it, yeah. And it's like right. you cannot sit in this. God is good. He is giving you strength. Walk forward, even though you don't feel it. It's okay because it's still true. Yeah, and that does to me doesn't always come easy. And it is like you, ju- it's, you have to do, because it, it doesn't always feel good. Right. And I wanted to immediately have this emotional response oh, the pain is gone. It's like, no, you might still feel this way in 20 minutes.
0: You need to keep walking. Right. And I think one thing to just say, well, that was really helpful. And for people, you need to buy the book. But what's really helpful is if you're like, man, I'm not going to know how to do any of this. You have the you have a section after each chapter mm-hmm. where you break down how to do the practice, what it looks like and everything yeah. else. So there's tools in the book itself to help you do these practices as well. So
2: yeah, I, I thought that was to the, the last point you made. That was one of the things that was really helpful um, in realizing that do, doing these things isn't the answer that's like all of the the, the pain is gonna subside in, in walking through this, but it actually, um, I think in a, in a lot of ways it honors the pain uh, and the struggle that people are going through. And it's like, hey, this is, um, this is a, a way in which God has uh, created for us to be able to walk through these things well and to be able to weather them um, and to uh, do it with appropriate expectation, right? As you say in the book. And so um, I, I personally found it uh, very helpful um, just in uh, finding that wrestle between, I think sometimes it it's and you mentioned it in one of the chapters of uh, believing a lie that oh this is this is happening or I'm feeling this way because it's just a lack of faith, um, and it's like that that's not um, that's not the case right that there is a there's a way in which we walk in this space of longing as believers trusting in God still going through difficult times and um, tearing with Him along the way so. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's good work. You should definitely buy it. Buy two. It, read it and give it to someone That's else. That's
0: right. Well, Elizabeth, I want to give you the last word. And one thing I just want to, I don't know if you can change it up, but uh, I love how you describe how you finally came to peace with your singleness. Hmm. And what I love is and God does this right this is maybe why i love it so much but so often he answers our prayers and our cries in a different way it's not that he you got married um he did something else he showed you that he was enough in the midst of it and i love that that comes through a journey yeah. you know a true journey he gave all the peace you wanted you got and it wasn't from the thing you thought that was going to provide it and i just think that's beautiful, and it strikes me as such a gospel truth. Mm-hmm. So uh, a thank you for writing this book. I've benefited from it. want to give you the last word on it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Yeah. I
1: think what I would say is to the person who's listening, and you're just hopeless, and you, like, you've tried everything, you've prayed all the prayers, and you really are just kind of fed up with the situation, that I want to tell you that hope is always possible. Mm. That our God is faithful to deliver, our God is faithful to provide, And our God is faithful to give good and that your faith would be in a place where even if the good he gives you and it doesn't include the good you want, that you still recognize that it's good and it's beautiful because it's a life you get to live with Mm. the Lord. Um, And so as a person who has walked the journey and to Marcus and Adam who have walked similar journeys in their own stories, that the Lord always comes through and there's always hope because he's always
2: with us. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode was recorded and edited by Chris Starrett and produced by Chris Starrett and Chelsea Conway. One of the best ways you can help others find our show is to leave us a review. So please take a minute to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Another good way to interact with us is by following us on Instagram and by supporting our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters.